It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! Yeah, baby. And here we go. Say hello to everybody in the chat room so I can wish you guys a happy new year if I didn't see you last week. And there you are. We've got music of David Tig Turner, Gloria Covington, Bob Gunnerfeld, MTP Studios, Dan Wilson, Carl Wurzbach, TMG690, Mon Tom, uh, Lamar Franklin, Rainbow Kitten, Piano Guitar Voice Lessons, Jim Stamper, George Aiello, Dave Burnett, Darren Fletcher, Pierre, oh, Pierre, I'm going to butcher your name again, I'm sorry, Venyo. I should practice all week long for that. Michael McGraw, Edmund Red, Darren Fletcher. Uh, I think Darren was the big winner last episode, right? Today, uh, we're going to give a book away. Again, another copy of Steve Barden's books because he just told me he's going to send me more of these babies. And uh, we're going to do something where you guys have to post something in the comments section after the show. And the person that posts the best one is going to win. So, in today's show, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions for musicians that actually work, as opposed to, you know, like, I'm going to do music for film and TV, or I'm going to be successful in the music industry this year. That stuff's big, it's broad, it's ill-defined, undefined, and, and frankly, you know, if you can't, like, really niche it out and be specific, you're probably not going to succeed because I'm going to be successful in the music industry. What the hell does that mean? Uh, and, and successful, which aspect of the music industry and how are you going to be successful? So today we're going to talk about um, a bunch of resolutions that I've written down. And frankly, I could probably keep going. Um, but I think I've got like 1,200 words of resolutions that... Uh, especially for folks who are just kind of starting out. Maybe they've been making music, um, you know, maybe not as a career, but as a hobby. I've got to, I want to sneeze. <laughs> for a lot, you know, hobbyists uh, or high-end hobbyists or people that are professional in some aspect of the music industry, but they've never really been successful getting their stuff um, in film and TV, which is the, the main slant of today. That's not all we do at Taxi, but it is the focus of what we're talking about today. So uh, here you go. Uh, New Year's resolutions that will actually work to help musicians become successful in the year 2020. Number one, I should have, you know, hold on. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Number one is resolve that you're not going to make, not underlined, italicized, bolded, you're not going to make a ton of money in a hurry. It's going to take some time, but once you get going, it becomes faster and faster with time. You know, that is probably the number one thing that causes most people to fail at becoming successful in the music industry is they think that you know a little spurt of energy or a, a week or a month of work is going to result in oh look at that i just got a placement in a tv show and it paid me twenty five thousand dollars and because of that some major record label called me up and and they want to sign me to a deal and six months from now i'm going to be flying around in a private jet nope not going to happen that way 
So resolve that you're not going to make a ton of money in a hurry. It's going to take you some time, but once you get going, things do move along at a faster clip. Okay, number two. <laughs> Wrong button. Resolve that you're going to start creating instrumental music for TV shows. And I know I go on and on about instrumental music for TV shows, but I personally believe it is the fastest way. I did, it's not going to happen in a week or a month, maybe not even in a year, um, but it is the fastest, easiest way to make money on an ongoing basis in the music industry. So that doesn't mean you have to give up creating songs. Instead, you can use the repetitive practice of creating instrumental tracks to get faster at selecting your sounds, using your workstation, uh, so that when you work on your songs, um, you'll be faster and better at producing your music in general. So again, use instrumental tracks as a training ground. And it doesn't mean you can't do songs. If you're a singer-songwriter at heart and you write from your heart and you're thinking, oh, Michael, please, dear God, give it up on the instrumental tracks all the time, trust me when I tell you that this is a great way to make income while you're working on the songs. Because it's harder to get, it's really hard to get a record deal. We all know that. Um, and while songs pay a lot more money when you get them placed in a TV show or a film, um, there are far fewer slots. So the instrumental stuff is kind of the bread and butter that's going to start the income generation and keep it coming. And because you've got that money coming in and because you're getting better using your workstation, um, more proficient on your instruments, your brain is getting exercised on a daily basis for the skill of writing and creating and producing. Everything you do is going to help you get better at the songs and you can do instrumentals by day songs by night. I always say it's like painting houses and painting portraits. Um, painting houses is the bread and butter. Painting portraits is the artistic side of it. You know, you can do both. They are not mutually exclusive. Um, where are we? There we are. Number three. I might have to stop using it. It's a little cheesy. Resolve that you're going to watch at least three episodes. Three. Count them. Three episodes of these TV shows. Catfish. Keeping up with the Kardashians. My personal favorite. Just kidding. Um, and The Challenge. I believe that Keeping Up with the Kardashians is... Is that on... What channel is that? Discovery? Uh, it's not on MTV. Pretty sure it's not. Catfish is on MTV. Uh, the Challenge is on MTV. The reason that I suggested those two is they use a ton of e. product. It's on E, thank you. Um, Keeping up with the Kardashians is on E. Uh, the reason I suggested Catfish and the Challenge is that I know a lot of our members get a lot of music on both of those shows. They're on MTV. And the people who get music on those shows get paid pretty well because the shows air multiple times and they air in many, many countries all over the world. So, you know, you make a little money this quarter, make even more money next quarter, and lo and behold, a year and a half, two years from now, you get royalties, uh, performance royalties trickling in from elsewhere around the planet Earth, because it does take a while for foreign uh, performance royalties. So let's say you're an ASCAP or a BMI member here in America, you know, and PRS collects your money, uh, 
let's see, PRS is Australia or the UK? Can't remember. I think it's the UK. Um, that's right. APRA is Australia. So they collect your money over there, then they feed it to ASCAP or BMI, and then that eventually gets to you. So everybody gets to hang on to your money for a minute so that they can make a whopping 2% interest on your money. But you will eventually get it. So watch at least three episodes of each of those TV shows, Catfish, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and The Challenge, and make very specific notes about them. Notes like what genre and type of cues are used in each episode. And I'm not kidding about this stuff. This is the kind of thing that is going to help you become successful. Make notes about what genre and type of cues are used in each episode. Make notes about how long the cues play. I mean, you don't have to put down, you know, 12 and a half seconds, but you could put down 12 seconds, you could put down 10 seconds, you could put down 32 seconds. It, the reason I'm asking you to do that is it gives you, uh, by forcing yourself to write down those timings, it gives you the impression, um, or no, it teaches you about how editors use the music, how long they put it in there. And it gets you out of the mindset that you are writing something that's 90 seconds to two minutes long, which typical range of what cues will run. Um, but you have to understand that it's extremely rare. I'm talking probably less than 1% of the time that they actually use an entire cue, maybe even less than 1% of the time. But by watching how they use it for 10 seconds, 12 seconds, 32 seconds, whatever, um, you begin to think more like an editor and you will begin to write your instrumental cues so that they're more usable. And usability is something that editors love. They love anything that makes their job easier and faster. And it's your job to give it to them. Uh, make notes about what type of scenes the cues play in. Um, you could make little notes about, you know, this was a... Uh, a attention cue. Um, somebody's about to get into an argument and there's some tension brewing while they're standing in the kitchen of the Kardashian house. There's going to be a fight. You could make notes about they're using a quirky cue, my favorite example, because Kim Kardashian can't get the bottle off the milk container because she has people that do that for her. Um, next note that you should make is what the mood or the emotion of the scene is. Are you ever going to go back and watch that scene again? Probably not. So why is it important that you notate the, the mood or the emotion? Because you're going to start to see patterns form. You're going to notice that certain shows have many scenes with a certain kind of mood. Therefore, if I were the composer and I was writing stuff that I would hope would land in that show someday, I would write music for those predominant mute, moods, or as we like to call them where I grew up in Illinois, mudes. I'm kidding. Um, what tempo is each cue? I don't know the people, I mean, professional cue makers <laughs> certainly think about that, but you know, um, when you're watching these shows, why not make notes that most of the cues are up-tempo or 50% are up-tempo, 50% are down-tempo. Clearly the tension cues would probably be more down-tempo, generally speaking. Um, quirky dramedy stuff might be mid to up tempo. So just make notes because what this is doing is getting you to absorb the big picture. You're not just looking at your piece of music and trying to be a great composer. You're looking at 
these are all the things that go into the stew that is a TV show of which my music is going to be a part of that stew. And you have to make the decision that uh, you're probably not going to be the chunks of beef. You're probably going to be the peas and carrots because the beef is the main entree, if you will, in the stew. And the peas and carrots are the supporting cast. Your music is supporting. It's not the star, but we'll get to that later. How many instruments? Make note of how many instruments are in each cue. It doesn't have to be exact, but you know what? Um, a lot of musicians get excited, get a little carried away, and you know my favorite rule, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Well, a lot of people go, wow, I've got this great sound and that great sound, and I've got essentially unlimited tracks. So they throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at the track, and it ends up just being too busy, too robust, too big, too bombastic compared to the other stuff that's in the show. So it's good for you to make note of the fact that many of, let's say, tension cues have four or five instruments in them. Um, dramedy cues might have three or four instruments in them. Um, there might be a melancholy cue that's nothing more than an acoustic piano, or it could be like a solo cello or a viola piece. Um, so these are things that are, are noteworthy and Pretty soon you're going to start your brain will absorb, you know, through osmosis, kind of these general rules. Well, if I'm making a dramedy cue, this is the type of instrumentation that goes into it. This is kind of the quantity of instruments that would go into it. This is the style of production that's typically used. Do you want to do something new and different and better? Yeah, but you know what? Apply what uh, I call the Lasco 15% rule. If you're doing stuff that is so different, the editors probably aren't going to choose it because it's going to throw them for a bit of a loop. Instead, do stuff that's like 15% different. Let's say you're doing a dramedy cue um, and you're going to use pizzicato strings, which would be pretty typical of dramedy cues. Um, and let's say that you want to include some sort of bells, you know, some sort of ding, ding, ding in the dramedy cues. That's not uncommon either, but rather than doing, you know, uh, like a celeste or tubular bells, find something else that makes a bell tone and use that. Maybe it's an acoustic guitar doing um, harmonics, you know, maybe sample the richest sounding harmonic on an acoustic guitar and use that. That's just a little different. It gives it a little different texture, a little different flavor. And maybe when the editor is auditioning two, three, four, five pieces of uh, dramedy music, they go, hmm, oh, that's cool. That's what you want. Um, I already covered this one. What type of instruments you use in various types uh, of genres of cues? So there you go. All right. Uh, oh, you know what? It's time for a word from our sponsor. Yep. Rockstar. Oh, man. Tough with the lighting today. You get the idea. Rockstar. It keeps the troops going at the road rally every year. We appreciate Rockstar. I'm getting a little nervous. Um, we're almost out of Rockstar Pure Zero Watermelon. I think I've got the last case of it. Excuse me, and they didn't send us any this year, so this is left over from the 2018 Road Rally. So, Rockstar, I know you guys sit around the office in the conference room with the entire staff there at Rockstar headquarters watching my show. So, if you see this, please send me uh, like a pallet of watermelon, would you? Thanks. Okay, 
On to the next one. Resolve that you will repeat this every day. Every day. Don't miss a day. I'm coming to your house. Every day, out loud, at least three times a day for an entire week. And what you're supposed to say is, and you have to hold the paper up and do it with a good attitude, you have to say, I understand that music supervisors working on reality TV shows are not looking for the most brilliant composer or the most brilliant piece of music. Instead, they're looking for music that does the best job of serving the scene. I'm going to repeat that one more time. I understand that music supervisors working on reality TV shows are not looking for the most brilliant composer or the most brilliant piece of music. That is so true. Instead, they're looking for music that does the best job of serving the scene. So, what does serving the scene mean? Well, does the music feel like it generally fits the scene? Um, let's think of an example here off the top of my head. Let's say you've got a scene that's sad and depressing. You've got a family stepping out of a limo at a cemetery, getting ready to walk to the grave to bury a beloved family member. I know you're going to think this is odd, but would you play comedic music? Most of the time, no. I mean, there may be some movies where that would be apropos, but most of the time, no. It would be something like a solo cello or maybe um, a melancholic uh, kind of dirgy-sounding solo piano um, or maybe a string quartet. Uh, so the music has to fit the scene. Um, that's rule number one. Uh, does it sound like it's from the right time period or era? So if you had a movie that was made today in January of 2020 and it was a scene where the main character in the movie is walking down a busy street in midtown Manhattan and going into the front door of a big office building, excuse me, to report for their first day of work, would you play sad, slow music for that? No, you'd play something up-tempo, exciting, something to underscore the emotion that that person is excited about starting their brand new job. It's fast-paced, it's uplifting, it's positive feeling. There's force behind it, right? So you have to think about, um, does it fit the scene? Does it come from the right time period? Um, obviously, you're not going to play something that sounds like it's from the 70s if the movie is in 2020. Um, you could use music from the 70s for a scene about 2020, but generally speaking, you're going to try and match the era of the music to the era that the film or TV show is taking place. There may be something within the script that causes you to want to use a piece of older music, but for the most part, it's a generality. Um, please don't put anything in the comments. Hey, you know what? Go ahead. Put it in the comments. YouTube will love us for it. Um, tell me why you disagree. Um, all right. I already covered. Does it support or amplify the scene's emotion with the, the description of the person charging through the front door all fired up for their first day of their brand new job? Um, and here we go back to peas, carrots, and, and chunks of beef. Does it support the scene without becoming the star of the scene? 
people that edit film and tape, people that write scripts, people that make movies, I affectionately and respectfully call them vidiots because their focus is what's on that screen. Music to them is the bastard stepchild of what is on the screen. Music is the bastard stepchild of picture. But without the bastard stepchild making an appearance in the scene, the scene will suck. But they think of the video, the scene, the action, the actors first. And then the music is like the last thing they do. Sadly, it's the last thing in the, the line items of the budget as well. So they're not looking. I, I know your instinct as musicians, and I understand this. I really do. And I care about you guys, and I want you to know that I feel for you on this. But musicians have a natural instinct, and God bless them for having this, to make the greatest piece of music ever. Isn't this awesome? Didn't I do a great job? Who wouldn't want that, right? Unfortunately, that's not what the vidiots are looking for. They're looking for something that, again, goes back to supporting the scene. Does it capture the underlying emotion and uplift it a little bit, enhance it a little bit, support it a little bit? Yeah, if it does those things, then it's great music. But they're not looking for something that is like, wow, what a brilliant composition. That's amazing. I love that. So, does it support the scene without becoming the star of the scene? Yep. Um, the star of the scene is the chunks of beef. The support are the peas and carrots. Does the piece of music feel like it helps move the scene forward? Um, this one's a little hard to understand, at least for me. Maybe not so much for you guys, but moving something forward within a scene you would think well you know that's the job of the script and the actors and the editor but music too has to feel like it's got a destination um it could be in a reality tv show uh the end Let, let's come up with a, a scene let's say that um in the movie Catfish, um, a young man has just found out that the girl is not the girl that he thought it was, and he's storming across a living room to go out the front door and slam the door. So they need music. The editor is going to pick a piece of music that has a certain amount of anger and frustration and is probably up-tempo. Um, maybe it starts out with an extremely short intro <clears throat> that sounds... I mean, and I'm talking extremely short, like a second or two, you know, that sounds like it's moody or dark and then boom, blows up in frustration. And that person heads for the door and he slams the door on his way out. Well, they need um, a buttoned ending, a stinger ending, same thing, essentially. Um, slight variances, but that's my opinion on that. Maybe we'll talk about that in another show. But you need something that hits a hard ending so that the editor's got something to cut on. The door slams and the music goes bam. And then after they cut to the shot of that person who's gone out the door and is now on the front steps of the house, um, a different piece of music starts right after that stinger ending. So bam, boom, in comes the other music. So you want something that moves the scene forward. If it just lays there like a lox, it, you're gonna feel it. You know, um, Here's a great example of music not fitting the scene and music not moving a scene forward. 
Um, one of our two road rally photographers who I hold in very high esteem, he's a great photographer. He is a pro photographer trained uh, by Kodak back in the day, you know, in uh, whatever town in upstate New York Kodak was in, not Buffalo. Somebody in the chat room will know this. Um, he shot video. He took it upon himself at the road rally this past November to walk around and shoot video of the massive number of people that showed up to register on that Thursday evening. But the music that he put, and he sent this to me, just as a, hey, thought you might enjoy this. The music he put under it was cocktail jazz. And it was so immediately apparent that the music didn't fit the scene. The music should have underscored the hustle and the bustle and the excitement of that first night not cocktail jazz, which is, yeah, I'm laid back. I'm having a martini. Totally wrong music. So I asked him to send us one without any music on it so that we could actually find some music that's appropriate. And then uh, we'll put it up on the website once we put those two things together. So there you go. My favorite example of the recent past. All right. Our next resolution is that you will resolve that you will identify a style or genre that you hear in one of those three shows I mentioned before or any other MTV reality show that's a genre that you're already proficient in or at least comfortable working within. Okay, so let's say that you, your favorite style of music is acoustic singer-songwriter. Um, I would not recommend that you start out wanting to make big orchestral pieces. You know, that that's a lot to bite off. There's so much to learn. There's so many tracks. There's so much that you have to know about how the instruments, you know, how violins are played, violas are played, cellos are played, how is a French horn played, um, you know, timpani, all, all these different aspects of orchestral music. You have to actually study how each of those instruments is played so that you can emulate that style of play within your overall orchestral track. So going from, you know, let's say you're an acoustic singer-songwriter, you'd be so much smarter to start out doing simple little acoustic tracks. Maybe just a little swampy acoustic guitar thing with some, you know, bottleneck slide on a dobro laid over it. Could get away with two tracks. A cue doesn't have to be 8, 16, 24, or 100 tracks. It could be two or three tracks. It's all about being effective within the scene that it's going to get used in. So if you're an acoustic guitar player, why not start, start there? Do something that's easy for you. And what that does is it gives you a result pretty quickly and it makes you feel good about doing it. And once you feel good about doing something, you're gonna to wanna to do more of it. So rather than getting frustrated by biting off more than you can chew, bite off what you can chew and know that over time, you're gonna work up to the big orchestral stuff. That may be the most important thing you learn in today's episode. Which by the way, I can tell by looking at the clock, this is gonna be a fairly short episode because I'm about a third of the way through and oh, actually no, the math pans out third of the way through and I've got two-thirds of the show left, guess what? It's going to be perfect. Um, okay, so repeating that one again. Resolve that you will identify a style or genre that you hear in one of the MTV reality shows that's a genre that you're already proficient in or that you're at least comfortable working within. 
You may not be proficient, but you know the genre, you know the style, you know the instrument. Next up to bat, we have resolve that the first day you have off, you will block out four hours to create your first instrumental cue in that genre, the one you're comfortable in. Doesn't have to be perfect. As a matter of fact, I can tell you now, probably not going to be perfect, but that's okay. You've got plenty of time in your lifetime to get things perfect, but you have to be finished in four hours. Set a timer on your phone, four hours, whatever shape that cue is in, it is done. Give yourself a definitive endpoint on how long you're going to work. And if you start out with a simple cue, four hours is enough to um, test your metal, as it were. It'll push you a little bit, but I think four hours is a reasonable amount of time. And if you go four hours and five minutes, again, I'm coming to your house and we're going to have a talk. Got it? <laughs> um, I, I really want you to try this exercise and see what you can do in four hours. Now I want you to resolve that you're going to repeat that exercise the next day you have off. And the next time, assuming that your first cue maybe was that acoustic thing is really simple, or a piano thing really simple. Next time, create a drum track that lasts for about two minutes. Start your session out with that. And basically, lay down two minutes of a drum pattern that would be an A section. And typically, A sections, I find in cues, there are going to be people that disagree with me, and there are certainly in, uh, circumstances and instances and examples you could point to where, that would prove me wrong. My own personal observation is that many cues that are largely an A section, that the A section is actually somewhat akin to a chorus in a regular song. So generally speaking, there would be no intro or a really short intro, maybe boom right into it, you know, just literally a second or two. Cues are used for a short amount of time. So having, you know, a 35 second intro just doesn't make any sense. Not to mention the fact when the editors are auditioning, if you've got a 35 second intro, they're never going to hear that A section. They're never going to hear the meat of what you've got, and they're going to move right on to something else. Because if you think that an editor that's got an eight or 10 hour day of editing has the time to sit there and be an appreciator of your talent and your great piece of music, you're wrong. Sadly, you are wrong. They are looking to solve a problem and they want to solve the problem quickly and move on to the next problem they need to solve. So they're not going to sit there and go, hmm, let me contemplate that piece of music. Why, that piece of music is great. This composer is wonderful. They don't think like that. They listen, they hit play. They look at the waveform as the music is playing and they look for edit points. They look for gaps that signify a rest or an edit point. They're working on two or three different levels like that, and they're making this decision literally in 10 seconds or less. <gasps> oh my goodness, they're only going to listen to my music for a few seconds? Yep, and that's why it's got to be good right from the get-go, so that you can make them go, wow, this is really good and really appropriate for what I need. This one is under consideration. Let me check a couple others. Nope, I like that first one. Let's slug that in. So. Uh, where am I? Resolve that you repeat that exercise. The next day you have off, don't be a slacker, do it quickly. Create a drum track that lasts for about two minutes, basically an A section all the way through, somewhere in the middle, somewhere between the midway point and two-thirds of the way through that 
two minute long A section, stick eight or 16 bars in there that um, is a B section. And typically a B section is kind of like a bridge. It would probably have certainly chords that would go with the chords of the A section. Um, the drum pattern would probably change. The instrumentation would change a little bit. Um, it's something just to take you out of that A section, but then it comes right back, boom, into the A section, and the A section continues on and runs for home plate and ends on a boom. Got it? Button ending, stinger ending. It's going somewhere. It's moving. I guess it should move that way. Um, yeah, uh, it goes back to the A section till the end, which is a non-faded stinger ending that lands on the downbeat and the root note with an exclamatory definitive bam at the end. There you go. Next resolution for 2020 is that you should resolve that you will join Taxi's online forum at forums with an S, forums.taxi.com and post your cue, no matter how bad you think it is. Seriously, I want you to post it on the peer-to-peer -peer section of the taxi forum at forums.taxi.com slash I believe peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, Ariana, if you could be so good as to figure that out, go to the forum, find that link and post it in the um, chat, that would be much appreciated. Um, ask your fellow members for feedback. Why? I know that sounds horrifying, right? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna take this piece of crap that I just made and I'm gonna post it in a forum with a bunch of other musicians. The taxi forum is unlike any other forum out there. Um, I know other forums are like, ew, dude, what is that thing you made? It's gross, ew. Uh, not the taxi forum. People are supportive, they're friendly. They wanna see you succeed. And you're thinking, why would they wanna see me succeed? Because if I'm successful, I might take a slot that would have gone to them. I don't know, but taxi members are like that. The people on our forum are like that, and every single one of our successful members would tell you they all started out use, using the taxi forum, and now they go back and contribute, which is nice, but they started out using the taxi forum as a sounding board. Do you guys think this would be the right kind of cue for this particular listing with taxi? Um, how does this cue sound? Um, how does my mix sound? How does my choice of instrumentation sound? And you will get answers. I find, this is just a personal observation, the first couple of people are generally um, newer to the forum and maybe new to Taxi and they're very kind-hearted and they'll go, wow, that's awesome, Michael. I love that piece of music, even when it's still not quite right. It's the people that chime in like respondent number three, four, five, six, seven, those people are usually a little more experienced and they're not unkind, but they're realistic. They're gonna tell you, you know, this is a good first effort, but here's some things you could do to improve it. So there you go. Um, yeah, do that. Resolve that you'll repeat that exercise and then post it four hours. And no matter what shape it's in after four hours, I want you to post it on the taxi forum in the peer-to-peer -peer section and ask for feedback from your fellow members. Um, 
I got to tell you, virtually every one of our successful members, I mean, people I know that are making six-figure incomes doing instrumental music have told me when they go back and listen to their early stuff that they thought was great at the time, <laughs> like, holy crap, this sucks. What was I thinking? Um, everybody goes through it. And, and you know what? Nobody's going to make fun of you. Uh, they're going to support you. It's just that simple. Why work? in an isolated vacuum when you can work with a bunch of people who will actually give you, excuse me, great advice. Excuse me. You know what that means? Must be time for another sip of Rockstar. I should reach out to the folks at Rockstar and tell them, excuse me, they need to make a formulation, especially for me, called something like Taxi TV. And... Um, it should be burpless. Maybe they should put that stuff they, excuse me, that stuff they give babies to stop them from having gas. It, cymethicone is the drug. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's that pink crap that they put in little eyedroppers and you stick it in your screaming baby's mouth when the, the kid is woken up in the middle of the night and it sounds like somebody is stabbing them with a hot poker and you give them, a, you know, like, I don't know, five cc's of this pink stuff in the dropper and the kid instantly is like, ah, relief. I'm going back to bed now. You can go back to bed, mom and dad, as well. So, yeah, that's what they need to put in Rockstar. Okay. Um, resolve that you will go to the forward section of the taxi form. That is the forwards section. And I'm going to divert a little bit from what I've got written here and let you know that very soon, if not already, one of the new features that we're building into the new taxi um, homepages for you guys, for taxi members, is that you can have friends within taxi and when you get a forward on something, um, you can elect to have all your friends know about it and uh, have a link that will go to it so they can listen to it. Um, we also have a blog um, that's part of the taxi website where on a daily basis we post the music that was forwarded for particular listings and that's at blog uh, Ariana I have no clues at blog dot forward dot something blog dot taxi dot com slash forward slash and I blog posted it Sorry? I posted it. Oh, she just posted. Okay, so there you can see virtually every taxi listing that we run. Um, you can see the results and very often hear the music that was forwarded. Again, this is one of those things that our most successful members all tell me that they've done. And it's been a huge help to them. So you need to resolve for 2020 that you will go to the forwards blog and listen to the music that was forwarded for things when you didn't get a forward and you will go hmm wow i see why that was forwarded maybe i should incorporate that in my music people swear by it you should swear by it too um where else can you do that uh oh on the taxi forum uh forums.taxi.com uh, the very first thing you will see when you go to that web page at the very top of the page, it says forwards. It's right above taxi success stories. 
and you can hear people, um, members will go on there, wow, do you believe I got forwarded for XYZ listing? And they will post maybe a little bit of the verbiage from the listing to give it some context. And they very frequently will post a link to their music so that you can go, oh, for that listing, this piece of music was forwarded. I'm begging you, begging you, I tell you, begging you to go on there and listen to this stuff because again, it's we're not asking you to listen to other people's stuff and go, oh crap, I'll never be that good. No, it will inspire you to become better because you'll listen to it and go, I wasn't that far away from it. I was maybe 70% of the way there. So what is the 30% that I need to do better so that I can start putting my stuff on the forwards blog and then eventually in the success stories? Um, okay, next up. Resolve for 2020 that you will compare mixes of the music that was forwarded in that genre with your own mix. Okay, um, one of the problems members who are starting to climb the ladder frequently make is they're, you know, just learning how to use, um, learning how to be recording engineers and producers. And because they're operating in a vacuum and a basement or a you know, a bedroom and they're not around other engineers and producers um, all day long, they don't know, is my mix good? Is it not good? Well, what do you compare it to? Compare it to other mixes of instrumental cues in that genre. Yeah, I mean, sure, you can compare, let's say that it's a, a rock instrumental cue that um, is a classic rock guitar-driven three or four piece band. Could you go listen to Grand Funk? and listen to that mix and get the, the relative, you know, here's where the bass and the kick drum are compared to the guitar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you could do that, and it probably wouldn't hurt to do that, but I think it'll be even more productive to listen to other straight-ahead rock cues that were cues, instrumental cues, because that's where your bar is set. You're not really competing um, or trying to be, have your mixes compete with Grand Funk. First of all, that was very old technology. Maybe that's a bad example, actually. Uh, but, you know, Queens of the Stone Age, great sounding records. Love the sound of those records. Um, yeah, you know, it's awesome if you can match that. Then again, they spent several hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars making a record. They're working with the best gear money can buy, the best studios, best engineer, best producer. It's great to be aspirational and hold that high bar and, and try and become that good. But if you're here and there, there, why not try and match the people that are here because they're the ones that are getting forwarded, getting signed to libraries and getting used. So do that little duck thing that I'm doing right there and be the duck. Got it? Be the duck. Um, Resolve that you will write and produce at least 10 tracks in your strongest genre before you try another genre. Use your first successful cue as the template for the rest of them, but then change the chord progression, change the key, change the mood, change the tempo, but feel free to mostly keep the same instruments and sounds in that template. That way, you're not going to spend a lot of time, you know, searching for a new kick drum sound or a new bass sound or a new electric piano sound, whatever the sounds are. 
use the same sounds because it would be an extremely rare circumstance that anybody is going to listen to two of your cues back to back or all 10 of your cues, potentially a music library would, but they wouldn't care because not all those cues are going to be right next to each other in a catalog. Um, and frankly, they're probably not going to sign all of your cues. So why not use a template? It just makes perfect sense that if you've got something that sounds good and you're working in the same or similar genre, use those sounds again. Use the same reverb. Why not? Um, but change the key, change the chord progression, change the mood, change the tempo, um, obviously change the melody. Feel free to mostly keep the same instruments and sounds. There you go. Next resolution for 2020 is resolve that the second genre you try is related to the one that you've already become proficient at. For instance, if you've become strong at acoustic country instrumentals, you could pretty easily transition that to singer-songwriter style instrumentals, right? So again, I think my um, aforementioned comparison or analogy or statement about why if you're doing you know swampy instrumental cues on an acoustic guitar and a dobro and a banjo let's say why would you then make the second thing that you're the second genre that you're going to learn be orchestral or edm or something that just requires a lot more instruments and a whole different mindset whole different production style different samples different instruments different everything stick with what you know or what is close to what you know and then um, keep growing, right? So, you know, we had a vice president of taxi for 10 years and he's still a close friend of mine. I loved him so much. I loved working with him every day here. His name was Doug Minnick. He was a great guy. And whenever I had a problem that seemed daunting or maybe even insurmountable to me, Doug would look at me and just say, Michael, Look at it like a piece of salami, you know? Take your knife and just take it off one slice at a time. He was right. Thank you, Doug. Um, okay. Resolve that you'll learn what stems are and make sure that you do alt mixes when you're finished with a track. And I'm not talking about stems on apples, stems in a bag of weed. Nope. I'm talking about stems that are broken out pieces of your mix. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Maybe my swampy instrumental cue is not the best way to go. Um, let's say that you've gotten to the point where you're very comfortable, proficient, and good at cranking out EDM instrumental tracks. Um, first thing you want to do when you've got your final mix of the complete mix is then go back and just run a pass of just the rhythm stuff just percussion head to toe and don't ride any levels even if your um your stereo bus meters look a little wimpy um, compared to the full mix just leave them where they're at the reason is you want the levels that you output um to that to those stems or that alt mix to match the levels of where those things would be in the full mix so that a video editor can easily cut between those two pieces of music without having to readjust the levels. So stems could be just rhythm. Um, let's say you've got uh, synth pads in there. You could run another pass of stems that are just the synth pads. 
and so on. So that way, essentially, they can kind of reproduce or remix what what you've sent them without doing a complete mix, individual faders. They can take stuff at the pre-mixed levels and just use those on their own, or they could do combinations thereof and come up with a piece of music that better suits the application that is in front of them. Um, the next resolution is resolve that you'll learn what stems are. Well, I think I just told you. And, oh, I did that, sorry. I'm like, so sorry. Can't even begin to tell you how sorry I am that I repeated that one. Um, resolve that you look at every single taxi listing and see which genres are most often requested to see how they line up with your abilities. I know we send daily emails. You're like, holy crap, these people are sending me emails every day. Frankly, short of carrier pigeons and smoke signals, uh, we don't have a better way to send you the listings. Um, some people have suggested Twitter. We found out at a road rally three years ago that a lot of our members don't use Twitter. Um, people suggested putting it on Facebook, but you know what? Not everybody uses Facebook. Everybody's got email. You may not like getting those emails every day, but there's gold in them, there are hills. So take a minute and look at the emails. Literally one minute out of your entire day. Do you want to be successful in the music industry? Is it too much to ask for one stinking minute per day to open that email and go, oh, look at that. Here's a request for EDM instrumental. Here's a request for singer-songwriter song. Here's a request for um, urban dramedy instrumentals. And just make a little chart. And at the end of two or three or four months, you're going to start to see patterns that there are a lot of requests, for instance, Andromedy. I know that to be a fact. Uh, a lot of uh, requests for tension cues. So look at the things that are most frequently asked for and find the ones that line up with your capability. Um, let's say that you're really good at doing uh, tension cues. And you see, wow, look at that. Taxi, you know, tension cues are the second most frequently asked for genre in any given 30, 60, 90 day period of taxi. So it would be really smart for you because you've already got that capability to then go ahead and start doing tension cues. Why would you want to do, you know, um, prog rock cues when nobody ever asked for them? I'm <laughs> just saying. All right. Um, Next, I want you to resolve that you'll start a document, a notepad or a notebook of your favorite sounds and patches for certain types of genres and tracks. This is a tried and true methodology that our most productive instrumental cue um, members use. They keep a log, a notebook, something. They could do it electronically. They, you know, they could do it on their phones and notepad. They could do it in one of those, paper and pen, and write down the sounds that you find. Let's say you spend an hour searching for a kick drum that's great for EDM. Why would you want to spend an hour when you go to do your next EDM stuff? Why not just keep a log that, you know, the 808 and the this and that and the other thing, these sound great. And if you're using these kick drums, these are some bass patches that sound really good with it for this style of music. Keep all that in some organized fashion in some 
notebook, be it digital or analog, so that you can go back to that because almost every musician will tell you that an inordinate amount of time is spent searching for sounds. And you know what? When you're searching for sounds, that means you're not writing. And when you're not writing, that means you get frustrated, you don't feel like you're making any headway, and you just give up after a while because you've accomplished nothing but finding some cool sounds. So when you find the cool sounds, write them down. Resolve that you'll learn how to create music using a digital audio workstation if you're not already. If I had to guess, I would say 20% of Taxi's members rely on outside studios, outside engineers, and outside producers. Um, while that is understandable, um, look, you know, if you're going to shoot photographs, hire a professional photographer, then again, if you can learn how to be very professional in your photographic skills, then you can take a lot more pictures that look amazing. Um, same thing is true, obviously, of music. So if you want to do it, um, start out learning how to use a workstation. Oh my gosh, Michael, I am not technically inclined. That is just over my head. It intimidates me. Really, I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. You really, really, really do. So the first thing I would do if I were you is I would go on the taxi forum once again at forums.taxi.com maybe go into uh, there's a section in there about favorite pieces of gear um, there's a section in there about what do you have in your studio but you could go to the general hangout and just say hey guys um, this is the type of music and it's important to connotate or annotate or proclaim which kind of music you use um, reason is certain types of workstations seem to and I I've only heard this I don't know from personal experience but um, some workstations are better for EDM. Um, some are better for singer-songwriter. Some are better for orchestral. Um, and look, you're, you're never going to get 100% consensus on this, but you will get some consensus from people. Uh, and look, most people have Pro Tools or... Um, I always draw a blank in this. What's the Apple one? Logic. Um, I would say probably 80% of the people use uh, Pro Tools or Logic. Maybe it's 60 or 70%. But there are three or four others that get used quite a bit. And some of this is dictated by, you know, do you have a Mac? How old is your Mac? How capable is your Mac? Do you have a PC? Same thing. Is it a fairly modern and capable PC? Um, does it have lots of RAM? Um, all, there are many, many considerations. But you know what? Don't put it off learn how to do your own engineering and production. Start out with the things that scare you the most. You know, if you always go for the easy route, you're never going to accomplish anything. Start out going after the hard stuff. But you have a tremendous support. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Support. Uh, you have a lot of support. <laughs> I just shortened that sentence. That's called self-editing. Anyway, um, your fellow members. They are so good at giving advice and they don't do it with an agenda. Like they want you to fail so they can win. So rely on the advice from your fellow members. Um, I would not personally be prone to follow advice. Maybe that you get on some of the um, like gear sluts. Um, 
there's some advice on there that's wonderful, some advice that's not so wonderful. But on a consistent level, for people who are doing music for taxi opportunities, taxi members are the people that are going to have the best advice for you for that. So find out which one of the workstations they recommend. And then the next thing that you should resolve to do in 2020 is watch videos. There's nothing you can't find on YouTube, I'm convinced. Anything from what should the tire pressure be on my car, this particular car, this year, this model, um, to you know how to get a diamond ring out of a garbage disposal, to um, the handle on my toilet flusher snapped off. What do I do? Um, I recently had um, pocket gophers in our backyard. I found the solution on uh, YouTube for that. Um, no more pocket gophers in the Lasco yard. <laughs> Where they went, I do not know. I'm guessing some of them might have gone to pocket gopher heaven, but you don't know. All I know is that I put the stuff in the ground and they, you know what? They probably went to a neighbor's yard. Speaking of neighbors, and because I have a little time to burn here, I'm going to tell you about our new neighbors. About a year, maybe 14 months ago, we got some new neighbors. The old neighbors we'd lived next door to for like, 18 years. We knew them well. We liked them except for their dogs that barked incessantly 24 hours a day. New neighbors seem like very nice people. Um, you know, the end of the driveway on garbage bin night, talked a little chit-chat with them, nothing heavy, haven't had them over for dinner or anything. I think my wife has swapped, you know, like taking them some cookies and they let her pick persimmons off their tree. Anyway, about every two or three weeks, one piece of garbage lands in our yard and there is a six foot brick wall between our two yards every now and then i go out in the backyard because i've got a couple little plants that i'm watching i'm trying to grow some uh, green bell peppers and something else and i go out there to check on my miniature green peppers and i see oh look at that there's a beer can in our yard right next to the wall that's odd now, we have had raccoons out there, and I thought, you know what? Maybe the raccoons like to drink beer. Maybe the raccoon was able, with its long little raccoony claws, to pick up that beer can, was sitting up on top of the wall, guzzling the beer, got drunk, fell off the wall, dropped the beer can on our side of the wall. Stuff can happen. About two weeks later, a soda bottle, a glass soda bottle, is in the same spot. Now, I thought, okay, maybe this raccoon really likes to drink, whether it's beer or soda. So I thought, okay, maybe it's a raccoon. And then, like two or three weeks after that, um, a wrapper from like Lunchables, you know, or the little plastic container from Lunchables, you know, where like salami and a cracker and a hunk of cheese comes, you know, you stick it in your kid's lunchbox. One of those ends up in the yard. And I thought, well, maybe there were scraps of food in there and the raccoon carried that up in the wall. And when he was done, he tossed it in our yard. And then a few days ago, there's, uh, what are those things from Dairy Queen? The blizzard, the Dairy Queen blizzard. There was an empty blizzard cup, same spot next to the wall in our yard. So what do I do? Do I go talk to the neighbor and say, keep your crap out of my yard? Or do I tell them to look for raccoons? I really don't know but we're keeping an eye on it. Anyway, back to the issue at hand, which is resolutions for musicians who want to be successful in 2020. 
and this resolution is this one's a doozy. I don't think I've ever mentioned this in 10 years of doing Taxi TV. Resolve that you will post about your successes in the success story section of the Taxi Forum. And send emails about your deals to memberdeals at taxi.com. I'm going to repeat those. Post your success stories at forums.taxi.com slash success stories and also send us an email. doesn't have to be a mile long. It's not going to take you an hour to write it. Just, hey, Taxi, guess what? I wrote an instrumental cue. It was an urban dramedy cue, and it got picked up by XYZ Library, and here we are six months later, and it got used in an episode of Catfish. That's all we really need to know. We'd like your phone number and your email address so we can give you an attaboy or an attagirl. Um, Here's why that is so important. There are many, many, many successful taxi members that may be really good at doing one thing, but they're not so good at doing another thing. I'm a, let's say that you play the bazooki. Hardly anybody plays bazooki, I'm guessing. I know I've longed to play a bazooki myself, but it looks hard to hold because I think it's triangular shaped if I'm thinking of the right instrument. And it just seems like it would slide off your lap all the time. So I've never gone out and purchased a bazooki. But if I were a successful taxi member and I decided to tackle a Russian folk music instrumental track and I didn't own a bazooki and I didn't play a bazooki, but I saw somebody else that posted something, hey, guess what? Uh, I got this instrumental cue picked up by a library and it ended up in a show six months later and I happened to hear a bazooki in that track, I would make a note. I now know a bazooki player that's a fellow taxi member. Now this is maybe a little bit of a far-fetched example, but I think you get the drift, right? If you're good at something that somebody else is not and you're posting your stuff with a link to the piece of music that you had the success with in the success story area, then other members who are successful but don't do something that you do are going to reach out to you for collaborations. So let's say that that member who is successful is somebody like Matt Hurt who's been doing this for, hey Matt, how you doing buddy? Matt Hurt has been doing this successfully for, I don't know, 15 to 20 years now. Um, he doesn't play bazooki. I know that for a fact. Uh, and let's say that Matt Hurt reaches out to you to do a bazooki part on one of his Russian folk instrumentals, and lo and behold, you get to ride Matt's coattails into that library at a very high level because he deals with people that are library owners. They know him well. They wish that he would do everything they need all the time. So if you are a collaborator, a co-writer, if your name is on that piece of music um, that Matt Hurt does, all of a sudden you've got entree to that library and your career is going to move up the ladder in a more expeditious manner than somebody who is laying low and being really secretive about their success. Why people are secretive about their successes, I do not know because everybody loves a winner, right? So if people perceive you to be a winner, you don't have to be obnoxious, but you have to go, hey, look at me. It's not like that at all. Within the taxi ecosystem, people support you, they cheer you on. So if you say, hey, I got picked up by a library and six months later I ended up in an episode of Catfish, 
they're going to give you a bear hug on the forum. So do it because then you get noticed by other people who will eventually reach out to you to collaborate and you get to ride coattails into other libraries. That was a choice piece of advice, if I do say so myself. <sighs> Why? That was the last one. <laughs> that was my very last one. So, like I said, this is going to be a short episode, but here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to post your suggestions for resolutions, New Year's resolutions for 2020 for musicians who want to become successful. Post them in the comment section down below. Right there. Um, after the fact, you know, when, when the archive version is up on YouTube, post your resolutions up there and Ariana and I and probably Bria are going to hang out in their office and um, we are going to look for the single best resolution that was posted in the comment section. It's got to be posted by Tuesday night at 11.59 p.m. in the comment section of Taxi TV's little space on YouTube. Um, again, that's by Tuesday, December 7th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. And whoever posts the best suggestion, excuse me, we're going to send you a copy of Steve Barden's book, Writing Production Music for TV, because if you were interested in today's show and you don't have this book already, you're going to love this book. Got it? Okay. So with that, um, should I do a little Q&A or not? I really can't make up my mind. Um, nah, I think I've given you guys plenty of stuff to chew on. So don't forget to comment um, down below. And if you haven't already, there you go. Make sure you subscribe. That's that little red button in the lower right-hand corner. Just click that. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. It's free. It's easy. And when you're a subscriber, amazing stuff will happen to you. You'll instantly become famous and rich because you subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the the alert bell in the upper right hand corner of your screen it's actually not red it's black I don't think it's got the little vibrating line thing but hit that because that lets you know when we go live um, that's about it for now so I hope you guys all have a fantastic new year um, I hope that these resolutions really resonated for you and uh, <laughs> Mojo says, you don't owe us a, another 30 minutes. <laughs> All right, guys and gals, thank you so much. And don't forget, I'm about 90% sure that next week we're going to do a show on the Discovery Channel's new way of wanting to pay musicians or not, as well as covering the new California law, which is called AB5, that frankly has turned our screeners, all of whom are independent contractors because they have multiple jobs and blah, blah, blah. There are all these things that qualified them as independent contractors under the previous um, rules and regs. We know because we've been audited by the state of California, we've been audited by the IRS and we passed with flying colors both times. However, this new bill kicked in on January 1st of 2020 and they are no longer independent contractors. But lo and behold, I'm looking around my desk. 
Um, there was an article by attorney Glenn Litwack, who is a real attorney of some note. Um, and he mentions, I'm, I'm looking, I can't find it quickly enough, but uh, certain industries, but not the music biz, were able to carve out exceptions. So music biz, not an exception um, to this law. Um, Uber drivers, barbers, travel agents, doctors, architects, photographers, financial advisors. Um, so the new law makes it so almost nobody can be an independent contractor anymore, even to the point that if you're a performing artist in the state of California and you hire a bass player to go do a gig with you next Tuesday, you can't 1099 that person um, by reading what I've got in this article. You've actually got to hire that person, onboard them as an employee. Again, I'm not an attorney, so don't consider this legal advice. I'm still figuring it out. But you've got to onboard that bass player as a part-time employee and, and take out all the appropriate withholdings and taxes Blah, blah, blah. It's a mess. Um, so next week, we're going to get to the bottom of it, and we're going to have um, Aaron Jacobson join us on the phone, who is a terrific entertainment attorney, themusiclawyer.com, I believe is her website. Uh, we love Aaron. And I'm also talking to a California labor attorney specialist, or California attorney who is a labor specialist, if you speak English, um, and she may join us for the show as well. So make sure you join us next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. And with that, I bid you a fond farewell. We will see you next week. Thanks for watching, guys and gals.